You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. West And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, here live on this Tuesday, December the 8th. Everybody remember, go on and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. You are live here on the Worldwide Sports Network with your boy Trey Larkins, talking all the latest in sports news. Woo! I had a great weekend. I see I got my fresh haircut. I was looking a little rough in the last couple of weeks when we've been doing the show, but got a fresh cut over the weekend. Had an opportunity to go down to Nipper Stadium and watch the Cincinnati Bearcats beat the Houston Cougars and punch their ticket to the college football playoff and win their second consecutive American Athletic Conference championship. It was a great atmosphere at Nipper Stadium. Bearcats beat the Cougars 35-20. to 20. I'll get into that game here in a bit. Bearcats will be in the college football playoffs, taking on Alabama Friday, December the 31st, New Year's Eve in Arlington, Texas. It's a 3.30 kickoff right now. They have the Crimson Tide favored over the Bearcats by 13 and a half points, I believe. So I can't wait for that matchup. But I'm going to talk about the Bearcats here in a bit. Also, I want to show some love to a local high school football team as the Windwoods Warriors. They beat Hobbin Thursday night in Canton, Ohio for the Division II state championship. So I want to give a lot of love and credit to head coach Chad Murphy and his first year as being the head coach for the Windwoods Warriors. He led the to a 12-3 and record, and he was a previous head coach at Hamilton High School, previous head coach at Northwest High School as well. He was the Ohio Division II Coach of the Year back in 2012. So I want to show some love tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Show to head coach Chad Murphy and his Wentwoods Warriors for winning the Division II State Championship. Congratulations, Warriors. I would love to bring some of those players on Wise Guys, on the World Wide Sports Network, and talk about them winning the championship. It was a great, great performance by the Windwoods Warriors beating the Hobbin. Well, I don't even know their name, their mascot name, but whatever it is, the Warriors got it done in Ken. They beat Hobbin 21 to 10 and won the Division II state championship. My son was out of school because the whole Wentwood School District allowed students to be out of school Thursday and Friday because the varsity football team was in the state championship and they paid it off with the state championship win. So I want to show them a lot of love tonight on Wise Guy Sports. We got an action jam packed show though, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to talk about my breakout performer for NFL Week 13. Also, I'm going to talk about my disappointing performer for week 13, because you can't have a great performer without having a bad 
performance as well. The Buffalo Bills, they honored T.O. as a legend of the game. And that didn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to break that down a little bit later on the show as well. Also, the Steelers, they improved to 6-5-1 and one after beating the Baltimore Ravens 20-19. to 19. It was an AFC North battle in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to get into all that here in a bit. But we begin in the AFC East as we had a battle last night in Buffalo as the New England Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 14 to 10. The Patriots have won seven straight games. They're currently seven and one versus the AFC this season. That's the best conference record in the NFL. Bill Belichick, he became the second head coach with 19 role wins versus a single opponent. The only other head coach to do that was George Hallis and also the Patriots they had 200 more rushing yards than passing yards for the first time since 1983 for the Patriots Mac Jones he only had three passing attempts he went two of three 19 yards Harris he had 10 carries for 111 rushing yards one touchdown for the Bills Josh Allen he went 15 of 30 he threw for 145 passing yards one touchdown so, my biggest takeaway in this game was the fact that the New England Patriots were able to adapt to the inclement weather in Buffalo, and the Buffalo Bills were not able to adapt to the inclement weather. When I look at this game, I'm looking at the fact that the New England Patriots, they had 222 rushing yards on the night compared to the Buffalo Bills only having... 99 rushing yards on the night. Now, they almost got 200 yards, but they didn't make a conscious effort to run the football like the New England Patriots did. I thought the New England Patriots did a hell of a job establishing the run with Damian Harris, with Re'Andre Stevenson. Re'Andre Stevenson on the night, he had 24 carries for 78 yards. He averaged over three yards per carry. Damian Harris, he had 10 carries for 111 rushing yards. He averaged over 11 yards per carry with the one big touchdown that he had in the first quarter. And I thought the New England Patriots did an outstanding job running the football. They had, what did they have? 40 rushing attempts on the night. So they did a, they showed a conscious effort to run the football and they won at the line of scrimmage. And the Buffalo Bills are a one-dimensional football team. And that's why I don't really believe in the Buffalo Bills as being true Super Bowl contenders. I'll get to that in a bit. But I want to talk about the New England Patriots for a minute because New England Patriots, their formula on how to win football games is the type of formula that you can go on a deep playoff run with. They have a quarterback in Mac Jones who is a game manager. They don't expect Mac Jones to go throw for throw with a Patrick Mahomes, with a Josh Allen, with a Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. They want Mac Jones to manage the football game and they want to run the football with Stevenson and with Damian Harris. That's their formula for success offensively. They don't expect Mac, they don't expect Mac Jones to th throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. That's not how they win games. Last night, Mac Jones had three passing attempts. Three passing attempts. I made a Facebook post, and I said, 
on Facebook that Matt Jones right now in this game, he has one pass attempt for 12 yards. Somehow the Patriots lead the Bills 14-10 in the fourth quarter. That's because the New England Patriots run the football effectively with their two running backs, Damian Harris and Re'Andre Stevenson. And I thought they were the difference in this game last night that was played in inclement weather. Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach in NFL history. And last night was a prime example as to why he is universally recognized as the greatest coach in NFL history. Because he knew that they were playing in inclement weather. The wind was going to be an issue. So they weren't going to be able to throw the football down the field effectively. Matt Jones is a rookie quarterback. He doesn't have much experience playing in inclement weather because it just became December, right? We're in the early part of December, so it hasn't got cold yet in Foxborough to where it's snowy and it's, and it's windy. So he hasn't had to deal with those weather conditions just yet. So this was his first game playing in this type of weather. So Bill Belichick did an outstanding job changing up his game plan and making it the type of game plan to where Mac Jones can be effective handing the football off to Harris and Stevenson. He knew that I can't have my rookie quarterback dropping back to pass 30 to 35 times to win this game. I have to change my game plan up and have a balanced rushing attack with Harris and with Stevenson. So I give a lot of credit to Bill Belichick and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels for putting Mac Jones in a position to be successful. He only had three passing attempts on the night because they knew that in order to win this football game, we have to run the football. And that's why I always say Belichick is the greatest head coach in NFL history because every single week you see his team play differently. The game plan is different every single week. One week, if you're going up against Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, you're going to need Matt Jones to throw the football effectively and have a successful game in the passing game. You saw him early in the season, I believe it was week six, going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Matt Jones, I believe he threw for over 200 passing yards in that game. And then you also saw earlier in the season, in week four, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, Matt Jones, I think he had, a, in that game, he had a moment where he completed like 15 or 16 straight passes. So in those games, Belichick knew, hey, we have to throw the football in order to have an opportunity to win. It wasn't inclement weather at that time in week four against the Bucs and week six against the Cowboys. So now you're in week 13 in Buffalo. You have to run the football to be effective. And that's what the New England Patriots did last night. So offensively, I thought the game plan was outstanding by Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. He showed why he's still the best coach in pro football last night. Now let's talk about that Patriots defense. Last year, you remember the Patriots defensively, they had eight players who decided not to play because of COVID. And this year, they brought back Kyle Van Noy, and he's been a key component to their defense. Also, Matt Judon, he's made some plays defensively for the Patriots. This year, last night, Judon had three tackles. He had one sack. And then you got Deontay Hightower, also the linebacker for the Patriots. 
And then in the back end, you got Jackson, you got McCourty in the secondary that's helping this New England Patriots defense win football games. And that's what you need to be able to do as we get late in December to early January to be able to be a true Super Bowl contender. You have to be able to run the football. You also need to be able to play great defensively. And I think Belichick has his defense playing at a very, very high level right now. And I think they are true Super Bowl contenders right now in the AFC. I can't say enough about the job defensively that they have done. I mean, when you look at what they have done, you know, the last few weeks, right? They held the Titans only 13 points in week 12. In week 11, in Atlanta, they held Matt Ryan to zero, a goose egg on the scoreboard. Week 10 against the Browns and Baker Mayfield held them to only seven points. Then in week nine against the Panthers, they held them to only six points. Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they got 24 points on that Patriots defense. So that was an anomaly. And But in week seven, the Jets only had 13. Cowboys, they got a high-powered offense. They put up 35 against the Patriots defense. But when you look at the Patriots in this seven-game winning streak and how they've been able to play great defensively, that's the reason why they are sitting at the top of the AFC right now with a 9-4 and four record. It's about the offense and being able to run the football as well, but defensively how they are able to get stops and contain teams on the defensive side of the ball, that's the main reason why they are sitting at 9-4 on the season and at the top of the AFC East and at the top of the AFC overall. Now, you look at their defense. They're ranked third in total yards given up per game with 327 yards given up per game. They're ranked third at total passing yards giving up per game with 195 passing yards given up per game. They are ranked first in points allowed per game, which is 15. They only give up 15 points per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They're ranked sixth in the NFL at third down conversion, which is 36%. So teams are only converting 36% of the time on third down against this Patriots defense, which is ranked sixth in the NFL. So defensively, everywhere you look, they are top 10 in major categories. And that's the reason why the Patriots are legit contenders in the AFC. You remember at one point in the season, the New England Patriots were two and four on the season. And I'll admit, I was one of those people that counted the Patriots out. I was wrong. Patriots are a legit Super Bowl contender. I didn't think that they had enough talent to be a true contender in the AFC and be able to even make the playoffs. I counted out Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. It won't happen again. Belichick has proven me to be wrong and many others because this doing the Patriots team is a true contender in the AFC. And they have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to go out and let and say it. Coming into the game, this is for first place in the AFC East. This is Bill Belichick. After December the 1st, back in 2010, it was a Week 13 matchup against the Jets. The Patriots, they were the home team. They beat the Jets in Week 13 in 2010. They took over for first place in the AFC East. You go back to 2001 in Week 15 against the Miami Dolphins. 
the Patriots. They were the home team that year. They beat the Dolphins back in week 15 of 2001, and they took over first place in the AFC East. This is all under Bill Belichick. And then they did it again last night with the AFC East leader on the line. They beat the Bills last night again. So every time the Patriots are in a position in December to take over in the AFC East and dominate the division, they get it done under Bill Belichick. And so when I looked at this game, I thought this was an opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to prove to the New England Patriots that they are the team to beat in the AFC East. And last year wasn't an anomaly. Like we are the team to beat for future years to come in the AFC East. We have a better young quarterback in Josh Allen than Mac Jones. We have an elite receiver in Stephon Diggs. He's better than any other receivers that the Patriots have. So I thought this was an opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to prove that they are the favorites in the AFC East for the rest of the season and for future seasons to come. But Belichick, he proved that last year, okay, I'm going to allow the Buffalo Bills to rent being the number one team in the AFC East. They're going to rent being the number one squad in the AFC East. We're going to let them rent that. But it's still ours because the Patriots have dominated the AFC East for 20 years, 20 years under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So Belichick, he allowed the Bills to dominate the AFC East for one year. And after just one year, the Patriots are now the favorites to win the AFC East and get into the playoffs as a possible number one seed. It took one year. Now, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills for a minute. I don't believe the Buffalo Bills are true contenders when it comes to winning the Super Bowl. I think they are contenders when it comes to the AFC, meaning they could win a playoff game or even win two playoff games. But do I believe the Buffalo Bills are true Super Bowl contenders? I do not. And let me explain why. The Buffalo Bills are a one-dimensional football team. They rely too much on Josh Allen bailing their offense out. And if you want to be a true Super Bowl contender, you have to be a balanced football team. You can't be one-dimensional because when you're one-dimensional, great coaches like Bill Belichick, they are going to take away your strength, okay, as a football team. And they're going to make you do what you don't do very well, which is running the football. And I don't believe the Buffalo Bills run the football enough effectively to be a true Super Bowl contender. Right now, they're ranked 13th in the NFL in rushing yards per game. They have 117 rushing yards per game. That's not going to get it done when it comes to being a true Super Bowl contender. Like, I don't even really know if they have a running back that they can rely on who can carry them in the playoffs. Like, Devin Singletary, last night he had 10 carries for 36 rushing yards. Uh, you had Zach Moss. He had eight carries for 21 rushing yards. Josh Allen led them in rushing yards last night. Josh Allen, the quarterback, he had 39 rushing yards. If your quarterback is leading your team 
in total rushing yards, if it ain't the Baltimore Ravens or the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray, then that is a recipe for your team to not be very good. And that's what we have right now with the Buffalo Bills. They are one-dimensional. And then this is another thing. Watching the game last night, they're playing in Buffalo. And in December and January, the weather is not going to cooperate with the way that this Buffalo Bills team is built. This Buffalo Bills team is built to pass the football with Josh Allen throwing the football down the field to Stephon Diggs, to Emmanuel Sanders, you know, to Dawson Knox, the tight end. That's how they are built. They're not built to run the football, but playing in Buffalo, they should be a running football team because they're playing in Buffalo where the weather conditions are bad in December and January. It's going to be snowing. You have to run the football. Like, I think the Cincinnati Bengals, they are a team that's also better than the Buffalo Bills because the Bengals, they got weapons in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, but they also can run the football with Joe Mixon. Who can run the football in a playoff moment for the Buffalo Bills to be successful besides Josh Allen? I don't see them having a workhorse at the running back position to hand the football off in order to win games. So when I look at this Buffalo Bills team, I do not believe that they are true Super Bowl contenders. They are built to be a dome team. If I'm Sean McDermott, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm talking to the Bills owner about possibly opening up a new stadium and becoming a dome team because that's how they are built. I know the Buffalo Bills have tradition. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. All that is true. But the way that this Bills team is built, it's built to pass the football in the air with Josh Allen. So they need to talk to their owner about possibly building a dome in Buffalo. I just don't like the way that they play. They're one-dimensional. And that was the difference in the game for me. The New England Patriots, they adapted to the weather conditions last night, and the Buffalo Bills weren't able to adapt. And that's why they lost this game and fell to 7-5 and five on the season. And now the New England Patriots are the favorites to win the AFC East. And then also defensively for the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to talk about their defense real quick. Last night in the post-game press conference, you saw the Buffalo Bills players like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They got upset with the reporter when the reporter asked if they felt embarrassed by their defense. And they got upset. And you saw Micah Hyde he said, after he walked off the podium, he said, hey, you know, I, I, I like you guys, but don't ask us anything like that. Well, Michael Hyde, I like him. He played for the Green Bay Packers in the past. And I think he is a tremendous defensive back for the Buffalo Bills. But, Michael, all the energy that you spent in the postgame press conference correcting that reporter who asked that question, which was a legit question, in my opinion, because – in the game, you gave up over 200 rushing yards. We watched the game last night, and everyone watching knew that the New England Patriots were running the football every single play. 
every single play. The New England Patriots, they had 48 plays last night. 45 of those plays were running plays, and the Bills' defense had no answers for the Patriots' rushing attack. So Micah had had a nerve, the audacity to get smart with this reporter who asked a legit question about, hey, are you guys embarrassed about this defensive performance? Because the Patriots had over 200 yards rushing on a night, and we all knew what was coming every single play. And the Bills had no answers for the Patriots running the football. It's one thing when you can't stop a team from being able to throw the ball in the air. Like, if your secondary isn't very good, if the opposing team's offensive coordinator is putting together plays that's confusing your secondary, that's one thing to get killed by another team when they're passing the football, throwing the ball, right? It's an entire different story when your team can't stop the run. And the Buffalo Bills could not stop the run last night. Even though they knew exactly what the Patriots were going to do, they could not stop the run last night. So all the energy that Jordan Poyer and Micah Hodge spent getting upset with this reporter for asking the question that he asked, that should have been the energy that they have, should have put on the football field to stop Stevenson and Harris from running the football. So I had a major problem with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer for their response to the question that the reporter asked. I thought it was a legit question. You should be embarrassed because you weren't able to stop the Patriots rushing attack. Mac Jones had three passing attempts. Three passing attempts. Unbelievable. And they weren't able to stop. It. They knew exactly what was coming and they couldn't do nothing about it. Couldn't do nothing about it. Mono y mono, our offensive line against your offensive line, man on man. Bills had no answers for the Patriots rushing attack. Now, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and whether or not they're going to make the playoffs, shall we? They're seven and five on the season. They have Five games left. Week 14, this Sunday, they're at Tampa Bay. That's a game they could lose. Week 15, they're home against the Carolina Panthers. Week 16, they have to go to Foxborough again and play the New England Patriots. That's a game they could lose. Week 17, they're home against the Falcons in Buffalo. And then week 18, they're home against the Jets. So last five games of the year, I'm going to say that the Buffalo Bills, they finish – Three and two on the season. They'll beat the Panthers in week 15. They'll beat the Falcons in week 17 at home. They'll beat the Jets in week 18 at home. So they're going to finish three and two on the season, which means they're going to finish with a record of 10 and seven. I think 10 and seven will get the Buffalo Bills into the playoffs. They're not going to win the AFC East. That's over. New the Patriots will go on to win the AFC East. And they're going to be competing for a number one overall seed in the AFC. So the Bills can forget about winning the division. That's not going to happen. But they can be a wild card team in the AFC. Right now, you look at the AFC, right? Let's look at the AFC. We got the Patriots at 9-4, number one. Number two, we got the Tennessee Titans with an 8-4 record. The Baltimore Ravens are 8-4. They are third in the AFC. The Chiefs, they are fourth in the AFC with an 8-4 record. 
Chargers, they're seven and five. With the they're the fifth seed in the AFC. The Bengals, they're the sixth seed in the AFC with the seven and five record. And the Bills are the seventh seed right now in the AFC with the seven and five record. So I think the Bills should get in. I honestly like these three wildcard teams right here. Chargers are seven and five, Bengals are seven and five, and the Bills at seven and five. Maybe the Colts will sneak into the playoffs as well. That's the only other team I believe has a legit chance to sneak into the playoffs in the AFC as a wild card. But you look at these other teams, like I don't think the Broncos are going to get in. Unfortunately, I don't think the Raiders are going to get in. Obviously, Texans, Jets, hell no. Dolphins, maybe. Dolphins are playing some great football right now. I mean, they're on a five-game winning streak. Maybe the Dolphins can sneak in. I had the Dolphins as a playoff team before the season. But I do believe the Bills, Bengals, and Chargers are all currently better than the Miami Dolphins, despite the Dolphins being on a five-game winning streak. I don't think the Miami Dolphins will get in. I think what they're six and seven. I think they're going to finish like maybe eight, nine, nine and eight. I don't think that's enough to get you into the playoffs in the AFC. So I got the Bills making the playoffs. But I don't believe that they are a true Super Bowl contender. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Let's transition and let's talk about the AFC battle between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert got the best of Joe Burrow as his Chargers beat Burrow's Bengals 41 to 22. Herbert went 26 of 35. He threw for 317 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Williams, he had five receptions for 110 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow, he finished 24 of 40. He had 300 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So for me, first and foremost, I want to say I believe that the LA Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals are two evenly matched teams. I think they both have two studs at quarterback. I think they have two quarterbacks who you can win a Super Bowl with. I think Justin Herbert, his skill set as a quarterback is something like an Aaron Rodgers because Herbert makes throws in games that other quarterbacks simply cannot make. I want to take everyone back to the touchdown pass that Herbert threw to Guyton, the receiver for the LA Chargers, in the second quarter. He rolled out to his right, threw the ball all the way across the field on the opposite side of the field. It was a 44-yard touchdown pass from Justin Herbert, to Jalen Guyton, and the ball was in a position where Guyton had to go up and catch the ball over Jesse Bates. It was a 50-50 ball. Guyton won over Bates. But for Herbert to be able to make that throw is what makes him special. And I think Justin Herbert is a quarterback who you can win a Super Bowl with. And I think the L.A. Chargers – Will win a Super Bowl under Justin Herbert at some point. You know, on the season, he got 27 touchdowns, 
11 interceptions. He's thrown for over 3,500 passing yards on the season. He is completing 67% of his passes this year. You remember last year, he had 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He had over 4,300 passing yards for the LA Chargers last year. And he completed, what did he complete last year? Over 60% of his passes last year. So I believe Justin Herbert is a quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with. And I was watching the game just thinking, like, he makes plays that other quarterbacks cannot make, including Joe Burrow, as great as Joe Burrow is. I'm going to get to him here in a second. There are some throws on the field that Herbert can make that Burrow cannot make. There are some throws on the field that I look at Joe Burrow and I say, that's Aaron Rodgers 2.0. That's Aaron Rodgers 2.0. Like, the Chargers, they got them a dude at the quarterback position. And I think he's the quarterback for the Chargers for the next 20 years. 20 years, you can book Justin Herbert as being the franchise quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. And if they have the right coaching staff in place and they have a supporting cast for Justin Herbert, he will win a Super Bowl. He will. Now, let's talk about Joe Burrow. In the game, Joe Burrow, 24-40, 300 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. I believe Joe Burrow has the intangibles that you look for in a young quarterback. On the season, Joe Burrow got 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He's thrown for over 3,100 passing yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. I think there's something to be said for a quarterback who can win football games. And I think that's what we have in Joe Burrow. You know Joe Burrow at LSU, he won a national championship. And that year, playing with Jamar Chase, playing with Justin Jefferson, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he had 60 touchdowns, six interceptions. The man completed six, the man completed 76% of his passes as the quarterback for LSU. So he won the Heisman Trophy. He won a national championship at LSU. And I thought last year, before he had his, uh, this ACL injury, I thought he was having a pretty good year. 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. He had over 2,600 passing yards. I thought the Bengals needed to protect their investment in Joe Burrow and make sure they have a decent offensive line because we know Joe Burrow can deliver the football to the weapons. You got Jameer Chase, you got T Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd, you got Uzama at tight end. So we know the Bengals have weapons for Joe Burrow to distribute the football to. And I think he's a winner. He has the intangibles that you look for in a quarterback to build your franchise around. The Bengals, similar to the Chargers, they have their future franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow for the next 20 years. Go ahead and sign Joe Burrow to a 20-year contract because if you have the right coaching staff in place and you have a decent supporting cast, you can win football games with Joe Burrow. He's already proven to be a better pocket passer 
then Baker Mayfield, then Lamar Jackson. And obviously he's better than Ben Roethlisberger right now. So Joe Burrow is the best pocket passer in the AFC North. So just like I, I believe in Justin Herbert, I believe in Joe Burrow as well. Now, when I look at this game, to me, this game came down to two big plays. I thought the Joe Burrow interception in the first half, when he threw the ball to Jameer Chase and Jamar Chase, for some reason, he wasn't able to catch the football and the Chargers were, were able to capitalize on the interception. I think it was, who was the player that caught the interception for the chart, but the chargers, it was Chris Harris, Chris Harris. He got the interception for the chargers in this game. I'm sorry. It was Michael Davis, Michael Davis, Michael Davis caught the interception off the ricochet from Jamar chase. So I thought that was a key play in the game. I thought chase had, Davis beat, and it was a walk-in touchdown. But for some reason, Chase could not catch the football in that moment. Davis, right place, right time, caught the interception, and that was one of the key plays in this game. Okay? Also, a key play was in the second half. In the fourth quarter, Bengals, they were trying to get back into the game. They had the football. They had an opportunity to, you know, score a touchdown and have all the momentum on their side. And Joe Mixon fumbles the football. And Trayvon Campbell picks the football up, returns it for a touchdown, and the L.A. Chargers go on to win this game and improve to seven and five on the season. I thought that was a key play in the game. It was right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Campbell picks up the football, returns it 39 yards for a touchdown. So I thought that was a key play. So I think this game came down to two big turnovers by the Bengals. The Joe Burrow interception in the first half on a play where I thought Jamar Chase was going to have a walk-in touchdown. and it was an interception in that moment. And I thought in the fourth quarter, the fumble by Joe Mixon at that moment was the difference in the game. Because at that moment, it was before the Joe Mixon fumble, it was 31 to 22. That was the score, 31 to 22 at that, at that moment before the Joe Mixon fumble. So I thought the Bengals were in a position to gain some momentum and possibly win a game where at one point they trailed 24 nothing they were down 24 to nothing at one point in that in this game so you know i thought that was the biggest difference in the game so that's 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 my biggest takeaway actually at that moment in the game it was 24 22 so it was 24 22 on that joe mixon fumble so if the Bengals go down to score a touchdown you go up 29 24 you have all the momentum on your side Bengals had an opportunity to steal this game it didn't match up when they were down 24 nothing in the first half. Down 24 nothing in the first half, and you enter the fourth quarter only down two points. I think Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they like their chances at being able to steal this game against the Chargers and go on to improve 
to eight and four on the season. But it was a loss for the Bengals. They seven and five, second in the AFC North. They still got an opportunity to make the playoffs. They are the city right now in the AFC playoffs. So, you know, we're going to see what happens moving forward for the Bengals. Which team do I believe is a bigger threat in the AFC moving forward? Is it the Chargers or is it the Bengals? I'm going to roll with the Bengals because I think the Chargers have been very inconsistent this year. I mean, you, you remember earlier in the season, they lost to the Minnesota Vikings back in week 10. They lost 27 to 20 to the Minnesota Vikings. They followed that up two weeks later, week 12, in Denver. They lose to an inferior Denver Broncos team, 28 to 13. And then earlier in the season, you know, they lost to the Cowboys in week two. They got completely blown off the field in Baltimore in week six, 34 to six. I think the Chargers are inconsistent. I like the team, though. I like the running back in Eckler. I like Keenan Allen and Williams at the receiver position. I like Jared Cook at tight end. I like Justin Herbert as their quarterback. I just think the Chargers are inconsistent, and I think the Bengals have proven to be more consistent than the Chargers. Therefore, I believe the Bengals are a bigger threat moving forward than the Chargers. I like the Bengals, especially offensively, especially offensively. You got a dynamic running back and Joe Mixon you can hand the football off to. You got weapons in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You got a great young quarterback in Joe Burrow who can win you games late in December and in early January. Defensively, you got Herbert rushing the passer for the Bengals. They lost Wilson in the game Sunday, and that's a key loss for that Bengals defense. But you still got Bates in the secondary. You still got Eli Apple, you know, in the secondary. You still got Von Bell. So I think the Bengals are a more consistent team than the LA Chargers are. So I believe they're a bigger threat moving forward. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys Twitter at Wise Guys Underwich, Facebook Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Let's transition and let's talk about the AFC North battle between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know anytime you have the Ravens and the Steelers facing off against one another, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a brawl between two physical football teams, although the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are not a physical football team anymore. They are more of a finesse football team. But the Steelers, they did beat the Ravens 20-19. to They improved to 6-5-1 on the season, pretty much saved their season. The Ravens were stopped on a potential game-winning two-point conversion with 12 seconds left for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he went 23 of 37. He threw for 253 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, he went 21 of 31. He threw for 236 passing yards, two touchdowns. Johnson, the receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he had eight receptions, 105 receiving yards, two touchdowns. So after the win, I got a cousin, right, who is a diehard Steelers fan. So in the immediate aftermath of the Steelers beating the Ravens, my cousin calls me, right, because he watches my show. 
and he's a supporter of Wise Guys on the Worldwide Sports Network. So he watches my shows quite frequently. And he has heard me in the past talk about how I don't believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are a true playoff contender in the AFC. I've said it, and, and I've, I've been consistent with this throughout the entire season. Even earlier in the season, when the Pittsburgh Steelers went on their four-game winning streak, I said, I don't believe the Steelers are true playoff contenders in the AFC. So, of course, my cousin, who's a Steelers fan, he calls me and says, how about those Steelers? Got a 6-5-1 and one record. We third in the AFC North right now because we got an opportunity to compete for the AFC North crown and compete for a wild card spot in the AFC. How about those Steelers? We we on the come up. We're going we gonna to make the playoffs because that's what my cousin called and told me. And I had to respectfully tell my cousin, what are you watching? Because I thought watching this game, the Ravens lost this game more than the Steelers won this game. I had a Facebook post Sunday. I'm going to read it because watching the game and seeing how terrible the Steelers offensively looked in the first three quarters, I was looking at the game like they are awful. This is my post, Sunday, 621 p.m. Right in the middle of the Ravens-Steelers game, I said, boy, it's hard to watch the Steelers. They are awful. That was at 6.21 p.m. Sunday afternoon, or Sunday evening, rather, because the Pittsburgh Steelers, they only had three points in the first three quarters of this game. They had 17 points in the fourth quarter, but in the first three quarters, I didn't see anything from the Steelers' offense that would give me cause to pause and say, wait a minute, maybe the Steelers are true contenders in the AFC. So I had to explain respectfully to my cousin, who is a diehard Steelers fan, that, bro, did you watch the game? Did you see how they struggled in the first three quarters to get into the end zone? They had one field goal in three quarters. One field goal. They didn't score a single touchdown in the first three quarters of this game. And you want me to believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are true contenders in the AFC? You want me to believe that the Steelers can compete with the L.A. Chargers, with the Cincinnati Bengals, who beat them both times they've played them, by the way. They swept the Steelers this year. The Bengals did. You want me to believe that the Steelers can compete with the Patriots, with the Buffalo Bills, with the Kansas City Chiefs? No, I still do not believe in this Pittsburgh Steelers team. I don't believe they are a playoff team. I think they lucked up because they went up against a Baltimore Ravens team who offensively is just as bad as they are. And I'm going to get to Baltimore here in a bit. But I don't believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think they rely on Ben Roethlisberger way too much. And I think Roethlisberger is washed. He's washed. I know in this game he had over 200 passing yards. He had two touchdowns. What did he go? 21 of 31, which means he completed 68% of his passes. 
But Roethlisberger is washed. He is past his prime. And I said last week that I think it's time for Ben Roethlisberger to retire. You saw last week that the reports out of Pittsburgh that Roethlisberger had told teammates and former teammates that he expects this year to be his last year in Pittsburgh. Um, you think? I mean, as awful as you have been this year, Ben. I mean, on the year, Roethlisberger. Let's let's talk about his statistical numbers, right? This season, Roethlisberger, he has 16 touchdowns, six interceptions. He has over 2,700 passing yards. He's completing 65% of his passes. Roethlisberger is not an elite quarterback anymore. And I believe in order for the Steelers to be true Super Bowl contenders, you need Roethlisberger to be able to play with opposing quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, like Joe Burrow, like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen. And I don't think he can do that in a key playoff moment. I don't. And I think the recipe for the Steelers to be successful is to run the football with Najee Harris, play great defense, and have Roethlisberger make one or two plays a game for them to win football games. I don't even think Roethlisberger can do that anymore. I don't think Roethlisberger is a quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with at this moment in his career. And I got a lot of respect for Ben Roethlisberger. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He led the NFL twice in passing yards. He's one of the most clutch quarterbacks in NFL history. But I think Roethlisberger's time has come to an end. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers need to try and figure out who their franchise quarterback is going to be moving forward. Because it damn sure ain't Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't think it's Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. So I think Mike Tomlin and general manager Kevin Colbert need to do their due diligence and try to figure out who's going to be their franchise quarterback moving forward. Because Roethlisberger is not the answer. They won this game because they lucked up against the Baltimore Ravens team who is dealing with a lot of injuries. Baltimore is dealing with so many injuries to key players. They lost Marlon Humphreys in this game to a shoulder injury. That's why you saw John Harbaugh go for two and try to win the football game because he knew defensively they didn't have an answer for Deontay Johnson. They had no one who could cover him. They didn't, they didn't have another defensive back who they could put in the back end to cover Johnson. So I think that's why you saw John Harbaugh go for the two-point conversion and try to win the football game. Unfortunately, Lamar Jackson wasn't able to complete the pass to Mark Andrews, and the Ravens lost this game and failed to 8-4 on the season. They still first in the AFC North. But I think the Steelers lucked up. I still don't believe they're a playoff team. Look at their schedule down the stretch. Right? Thursday. On Fox, they got a matchup against the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Even though the Vikings lost to the Detroit Lions, I still think the Minnesota Vikings have a high-powered offense because they got weapons like Justin Jefferson. They got Adam Thielen. Dalvin Cook is injured right now. I'm not sure if he's going to play in the game Thursday. But I think the Vikings can beat the Steelers. And I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback right now than Ben Roethlisberger is. 
So I think that's a game the Steelers could lose. Week 15, they're home against the Titans. It's a possibility that Derrick Henry is going to rejoin the Titans at some point this season. I'm not sure if Julio Jones and A.J. Brown is going to return back to the lineup. I think Tennessee had a bye week in week 13. But I think the Titans can beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So that's another game the Steelers could lose. Week 16, they're at Kansas City. They're going to lose to Kansas City. Okay? They'll lose that game to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to even talk about that game much. Week 17, they're home against Baker Mayfield and the Browns. That's a game they could lose. But they could also win that game. That's a 50-50 game. Toss-up. And then in week 18, they're at Baltimore against Lamar Jackson and the crew. I think the Steelers could win that game as well. So that's a 50-50 game. So the last five games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. At Minnesota, home against Tennessee, at Kansas City, home against Cleveland, at Baltimore. I say the Steelers, man, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They'll lose to the Titans, they'll lose to the Chiefs, and they're going to lose to the Vikings. They'll beat the Browns, and they'll beat the Ravens. So they'll finish on the season, let's say, eight. Eight and one? That'll be their record. Eight, eight and one. That's the Steelers' record for me. Eight, eight, and one. I think that's what they're going to finish with. And I don't think that's a record that's going to get you into the playoffs. I don't. Not eight, eight, and one. Not when you got teams like the Miami Dolphins who have emerged as a wild card team in the AFC. You got teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, the LA Chargers. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think the Las Vegas Raiders are also better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I just don't think the Steelers are a playoff team. I think they're going to finish 8-8-1, and I don't think 8-8-1 gets you into the postseason. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens for a bit. In this game, the Baltimore Ravens offensively, they had 17, they had 22 first downs. They went 8 of 16 on third down. They had 219 passing yards, 107 rushing yards. They had 326 total yards of offense. My biggest issue with this Baltimore Ravens Offense is, I think it's Lamar Jackson or bust. And I think they make Lamar Jackson be have to play hero ball. And I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think because they have all the injuries that they're dealing with, they have put this offense into the hands of Lamar Jackson. And I think Lamar Jackson is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Lamar Jackson is a quarterback who you can win a Super Bowl with. Yes, I know he's had trouble being a consistent pocket passer, but I think Lamar Jackson can throw the football down the field effectively, and I think you can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. But I don't believe it will be this year because I think the Ravens' offense is Lamar Jackson or bust. And I believe that they just dropped Lamar Jackson back to throw, and they want him to make something out of nothing. And sometimes, sometimes he can do it. That's how dynamic Lamar Jackson is. But sometimes the Ravens get into trouble offensively, and they aren't able to sustain drives. And I think that's what you have to do if you want to be true contenders in the AFC. And I think this year, because they have so many injuries, they can't really run the football like they've been able to in years in the past. Like in, the, in years in the past, 
We've seen them run the football and have the best rushing attack in the NFL. And right now, that's just not the case with this Ravens team. So far this year, they are tied for third in the NFL in rushing yards per game. They have 147 rushing yards per game. That's mainly because of Lamar Jackson. There's no other player on the offensive side of the ball who I believe teams feel threatened by. Like who? Like Devontae Freeman, maybe three, four years ago, but not now. Murray, maybe three, four years ago. Like Lamar Jackson, he is the quarterback. He is the running back. He is everything for this Baltimore Ravens team. And I think in order for them to be true Super Bowl contenders, they need a dynamic rushing attack to win games. Like they need an elite rushing attack. And I don't think they have it right now. I, I know they're ranked third in the NFL, but I think that's only because of Lamar. Like, and I don't think they, they I think they just got so many injuries. I think this, this is the year where the Baltimore Ravens, they probably are going to make the playoffs. Do I believe they're Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? I don't. I don't think they're better than the Patriots. I don't believe they're better than the Chiefs. Are they better than the Bills? Maybe. Maybe that's a toss-up because I think the Bills are one-dimensional. If the Bills and Ravens play on a neutral field, I I might favor the Ravens slightly. I I don't know. I mean, it's a toss-up, but I I don't think the Ravens are better than – the Chiefs or the Patriots. And so I think they're a team that could lose in the first round, in the first round of the playoffs this year. Because I just don't think Lamar Jackson has enough help. I don't. And I think because they have so many injuries, you saw, again, in this game, Marlon Humphreys, he left the game with the shoulder injury. They say he's going to be done for the season. So Marcus Peters, he's done for the year. Marlon Humphreys, he's done for the year. They got too many injuries. And so I think there's too many injuries to overcome. And I don't believe the Ravens are true contenders in the AFC. But I do think they never made the playoffs. I think they're going to be a playoff team. I really, really do. We'll see if they can win the AFC North because we know the Bengals at 7-5. They are trying to win the AFC North and host a home playoff game here in Cincinnati. So I'm looking forward to the matchup in Week 16 when Baltimore – comes here to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It's going to be a big-time matchup in the AFC North. That game in Week 16 is going to be the determining factor on who wins the AFC North. Week 16, Ravens at Bengals. So, Bengals fans, Ravens fans, circle that game on your calendar. We'll see what happens with the Ravens moving forward. I like their head coach and John Harbaugh. We've already seen John Harbaugh win a Super Bowl as a head coach. I like Lamar Jackson as your quarterback to build your franchise around. I think you should hand Lamar Jackson the check and let him sign the check and sign him to whatever he wants. Like, hey, Lamar, you won football games at a high level. You won your first playoff game last year against the Tennessee Titans. So you got that monkey off your back. I like Lamar Jackson as a pocket passer. I don't think he's an elite pocket passer like Joe Burrow, like Justin Herbert just yet, but I think he's gotten better at throwing the ball from the pocket. So I believe you can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson, but it won't be this year. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys, no sports. Let's transition and let's talk about 
my breakout performer for NFL week 13. Let's go to Indianapolis and let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. He had a dominating performance over the Houston Texans as an Indianapolis Colts improved to seven and six on the season. They beat the Texans 31 to zero. It wouldn't have happened without Jonathan Taylor. Taylor, he had 32 carries, 143 rushing yards, two touchdowns on the afternoon for the season. Jonathan Taylor, 241 carries, 1,348 rushing yards. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry. He has 16 touchdowns on the season, and he is the reason why the Indianapolis Colts have a chance to make the playoffs in the AFC. They are 7-6 on the season. He is a dark horse for NFL MVP. I like how Jonathan Taylor has performed so far this season. He is my breakout performer for NFL Week 13. You can't have a breakout performer without having a disappointing performer, though. So my break, my disappointing performer for NFL Week 13 is Taysom Hill. He was awful in the Thursday night matchup for the New Orleans Saints against the Dallas Cowboys. Taysom Hill, he went 19 of 41. He threw for 264 pass yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. He had a pick six in the fourth quarter. Newsflash to Sean Payton and the Saints coaching staff. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. Can we just go ahead and kill this idea of Taysom Hill being a quarterback who you can win with at the NFL level? This ain't college. This ain't the Florida Gators with Tim Tebow. This is the National Football League. And in order to be a quarterback who your team can build around, you have to be able to throw the football. That's your number one job as a quarterback, be able to throw the football down the field. And I think Taysom Hill is a bad pocket passer, and I don't think he's a quarterback you can win football games with. So, Sean Payton, please go ahead and dump this experiment with Taysom Hill as your quarterback to build your team around. They just signed Taysom Hill to a new contract. I don't know why they did that, because I don't think Taysom Hill can win you football games at quarterback. Can you insert him into wildcat wild formations? Absolutely. Can you put together three or four plays a game for Taysom Hill to come in and move the chains for your offense? Yes. But do I believe you can be true contenders in the playoffs, true Super Bowl contenders with Taysom Hill as your quarterback? Absolutely not. So, Peyton, please dump that experiment with Taysom Hill. I know you creative. I know you believe that you can create magic with subpar quarterbacks because you were able to do it with Jameis Winston before his ACL injury, but it's not going to happen with Taysom Hill, Sean. It's not. So that's my disappointing performer for week 13, Taysom Hill. My breakout performer for week 13 was Jonathan Taylor. Let's transition. Let's talk some NBA. As there are reports out of Portland, Dame Lillard reportedly wants to play with Ben Simmons. So 
if the Portland Trailblazers decided to trade for Ben Simmons, more than likely the Philadelphia 76ers, they will trade Ben Simmons in exchange for CJ McCollum. So the question is, will the Blazers be championship contenders with Damian Lillard and Ben Simmons? And unfortunately, the answer is no. I believe in Damian Lillard. I believe you can win an NBA championship with Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard is one of the most clutch NBA players of all time. You know, for his career, Damian Lillard, he's averaging over 24 points per game. He's shooting 44% from the floor. He's shooting 37% from three-point range for his career. I believe Damian Lillard is one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. And right now in the NBA, outside of Steph Curry, Damian Lillard is the only pure shooter in the NBA who can pull up from 30. I mean, he can pull up from 30 and hit it with ease. I think you can win a championship with Damian Lillard, but I don't believe you can win a championship with Damian Lillard and Ben Simmons in your backcourt because Ben Simmons is a liability offensively. Not only is Ben Simmons a terrible jump shooter, he doesn't even attempt jump shots. He doesn't even attempt jump shots. And also, he's a terrible free throw shooter as well. Last year in the playoffs, Ben Simmons, he shot 43% from the free throw line in the playoffs. This is a league that has had the likes of Will Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, and Ben Simmons shot 43% from the free throw line in the playoffs. He's a liability offensively. Now, I love Ben Simmons as a defender. I think he's one of the premier defenders in the NBA. I think he is a candidate for NBA Defensive Player of the Year honors every single year. And we know he's an athletic point guard in the NBA. I mean, when you, you look at his frame, right? He's 6'11". Defensively, he can guard your opposing te- the opposing team's best offensive score. And he's a great passer. I give Ben Simmons a lot of credit as being a great passer as a point guard. But at 6'11", he can't shoot. And I think he's a liability offensively for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he would be a liability offensively for the Portland Trailblazers. Now, if they were to trade for Ben Simmons, it would be an upgrade defensively for the Trailblazers, but it would be a downgrade offensively. Because right now, with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, that's one of the best offensive scoring backcourts in the NBA. I mean, when you talk about C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, I look at them like I look at DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, like I look at Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. That's how I look at C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. They are undersized, though, and I think that's the biggest issue and why the Portland Trailblazers haven't been able to win an NBA championship. They are undersized with Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Both C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are under 6'5", and I think that's 
the biggest issue with the Portland Trailblazers. So if they traded for Ben Simmons, it would be an upgrade defensively, but it would be a downgrade offensively. So that's my opinion about the Portland Trailblazers and about how reportedly Dame Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. I don't know how true this is because you saw Dame Lillard go on Twitter and he talked about how he said, like, everyone wants drama. I don't know if this is true, Dame. I'm a Dame fan. I'm a fan of yours, Dame, so don't come at me. I'm just discussing what's reported. And what's been reported is Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. And I don't think there will be a championship contender with Dame, with Ben Simmons paired up with Damian Lillard. But they're also not championship contenders with McCullum and Lillard right now. They're not. I think the Blazers need to try and trade Nurkic as well. Because I watch games. And I just look at Nurkic as being soft. He's been soft since he's returned back from his injury a few years ago. You remember he went down with a season-ending injury. And I just don't think Nurkic has been the same since. I really, really don't. And I think that the Portland Trailblazers, they should try to build their team around Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard is loyal. And we know in sports, loyalty is hard to find. And I think... Damian Lillard has proved himself to be loyal to this Portland Trailblazers organization. So I think you have to take advantage of that because you're in Portland. Free agents, they aren't signing up to come to Portland to play. This ain't New York and Broadway. This ain't L.A. with Venice Beach and, you know, palm trees everywhere. This is Portland, Oregon. You don't have free agents trying to come to Portland and play basketball. That's not what people are, what players are trying to do. So the only way you're going to be true championship contenders is building through the draft. And who knows how long that could take. That could take many, many years down the road until you find a caliber of player on Damian Lillard's level. So I think you have to hold on to Dame for dear life if you are Chauncey Billups and the Portland Trailblazers. But I think you should try to trade C.J. McCollum and Nurkic and try to build a team around Damian Lillard. That's my takeaway. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll tell you someone who I believe would be good with Damian Lillard if they teamed up together. I think it would be Pascal Siakam. I think Pascal Siakam would be paired up with Damian Lillard would be a nice fit. And I think that would be an upgrade over CJ McCullough. And I honestly think that would be a better fit for the Blazers than Ben Simmons. Although Ben Simmons gives you an upgrade as far as defense, I think Pascal Siakam would help the Blazers instantly offensively. I mean, you look at his numbers this year, right? Pascal Siakam, he's averaging 19 points per game on 47% shooting from the floor, seven rebounds, four assists. I think Pascal Siakam with Damian Lillard would make the Portland Trail Blazers a legit contender in the Western Conference. 
I'm not saying they're going to win the Western Conference and win the NBA championship. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe they will have a better chance with Damian Lillard and Pascal Siakam than they do right now with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCullough or what they would have if they traded for Ben Simmons paired up with Damian Lillard. So I like Damian Lillard and Pascal Siakam together. And I think they could win games in the West. Another one, Carl Anthony Towns. What if you paired up Carl Anthony Towns with Damian Lillard? I love that dynamic duo in the Western Conference. Damian Lillard, Carl Anthony Towns, that would be big time. That would be big time. Similar to how I believe if the Philadelphia 76ers, if they traded for Damian Lillard and teamed him up with Joel and B, Damian Lillard, Joel and B would be an outstanding duo. And I believe they would be true championship contenders in the Eastern Conference. That's the same way I feel about the Blazers if they were able to trade for Carl Anthony Towns and pair him up with Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard and Towns together would be legit, would definitely be legit. So that's my opinion on the Portland Trail Blazers and Damian Lillard reportedly wanting to trade for Ben Simmons. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats for a minute as – the Bearcats, they improved to 13-0 on the season after a dominating performance in the conference championship game over the Houston Cougars Saturday night at Nippert Stadium. Four of the Cincinnati Bearcats. In this game, Derek Ritter, he played great. He had 190 passing yards. He went 11 of 17 passing, three touchdowns. Jerome Ford had an outstanding game. He had 18 carries for 187 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Alex Pierce, he got into the end zone for one touchdown. You know, you had Tyler Scott. He caught a touchdown pass from Ritter in the first quarter. The Bearcats beat the Cougars 35-20. to And Sunday, Luke Fickle and his team, they were selected to be a part of the college football playoffs. So the committee, they got UC at four, Alabama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three. So let's talk about the Bearcats making the college football playoffs, shall we? I believe the committee got this right. And I'm happy that the Cincinnati Bearcats would have an opportunity to play in a college football playoffs later on this month. And I, I'm happy that they're going to get an opportunity to go up against Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide because I believe the Cincinnati Bearcats being the only undefeated team in the nation, having a 13-0 record, being one of those teams all year long who the committee and others throughout the nation had their questions about because everybody had questions about UC all year long. Like, make no mistake about it. You look at the Bearcats this season, right? Earlier in the season, they went up against Navy. They beat Navy 27 to 20. So it was a close game. Committee had an issue with that. Then they played Tulane. They beat Tulane 31 to 12. But most people didn't believe 
that the Bearcats beat Tulane decisively. So you had week 10, they beat Tulsa 28 to 20. So most people felt like, hey, you see, they aren't dominating teams the way that we would like. They're not dominating teams like other teams are in other conferences. But see, I felt like the last four weeks, the Bearcats, they have dominated their opponents. Let's go back to week 11 against South Florida. The Bearcats beat South Florida 45 to 28. Week 12 at Nipper, the Bearcats beat SMU 48 to 14. Week 13 at East Carolina, the Bearcats, they beat East Carolina 35 to 13. And then I felt like watching the game Saturday evening at Nipper, although at one point the Cougars were beating the Bearcats 10 to 7. I thought the Bearcats had a dominating performance in the second half in the conference championship. They outscored the Cougars, the Bearcats, that is. They outscored the Cougars 21 to 0 in the third quarter. And I thought that was the difference in the Amer- American Athletic Conference Championship game. So I thought the Bearcats, the way they were able to dominate the Cougars in the second half and how they were able to dominate their opponents the last four weeks overall, I think that's why you saw the committee give the Bearcats an opportunity to make the college football playoffs and play in a Cotton Bowl against the Alabama Crimson Tide December 31st for an opportunity to go to the championship game. So I thought Luke Fickle and his coaching staff and the players they have put themselves in a position to compete for a national championship. And I am so happy for the University of Cincinnati and the Bearcats football program being in this position. Luke Fickle has done an outstanding job as head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. I remember at one point, the Bearcats being a basketball school. You remember when they had Bob Huggins, Kenyon Martin, I mean, I'm thinking about Kenny Satterfield, Steve Logan. I mean, Melvin Levitt, the helicopter. That was his nickname. This was a basketball school. So the way that Luke Fickle was able to turn around the Cincinnati Bearcats football program and have them in a position to compete for a national championship speaks to the caliber of coach that Luke Fickle is. And I can't say enough about the job that he has done since he's been the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. He is 48 and 14, and he has a 29 and 9 record in the AAC. And I think Luke Fickle is one of the best coaches in college football. And I believe the only way Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati is if Ryan Day decides to go to the NFL. Because the Chicago Bears, they're going to fire Matt Nagy by season's end. At some point, Matt Nagy is going to be fired. I think the Bears should get on the phone. They should call Ryan Day and offer him a big contract to come to the NFL to coach Justin Fields. And I think Justin Fields and Ryan Day will compete in the NFC North for future seasons to come with the Chicago Bears. That's what I would do if I'm the Chicago Bears. If that happens, I think that's a job that Luke Fickle 
would seriously consider if it opened up. I think there are two teams that Luke Fickle would leave the Bearcats for. And one of those teams already named their head coach in Marcus Freeman. That's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They named Marcus Freeman their coach moving forward after Brian Kelly left for LSU. So I think those were the two jobs that Luke Fickle would leave Cincinnati for, Notre Dame and Ohio State. So keep an eye on that. If Ryan Day decides to leave Ohio State for the NFL, I think there's a possibility that Luke Fickle would leave Cincinnati for Ohio State. But that's the only team I could see Luke Fickle leaving the Cincinnati Bearcats for. I think he's done an outstanding job at building up this program to be a top program in college football. Again, I think you can make a legitimate argument that UC is a football school now. It really, really is. It's a football school. They had a 13-0 record this year, 8-0 in the AAC. Last year, they finished 9-1. They lost in the bowl game to Georgia, and then they finished 6-0 in the AAC last year. So they won the AAC title for a second consecutive season. And the first year, what it did start off well for Luke Fickle. First year in 2017, four and eight record, two and six in the AAC. 2018, they improved. 11 and two overall record, six and two in the AAC. 2019, 11 and three record, seven and one in the AAC. Again, his overall record since being the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. 48 and 14 with a 29 and nine record in the AAC. He has turned this program around and he has recruits now wanting to come to Cincinnati and play football. And one of the recruits that came to Cincinnati that previously played for Alabama, I believe, is Jerome Ford. And Jerome Ford is a key player for the Bearcats offense. In this game, in the AAC title game, Jerome Ford, he was named the most valuable player. He had 18 carries for 187 rushing yards. He averaged over 10 yards per carry, two touchdowns on the night. So he's one of the players offensively who has a major impact on the Bearcats being able to move the football at a high level. But I like the way this Bearcats team is built. You know, they got weapons like Alex Pierce. I like their dynamic duo at tight end. When you got Wiley and you got Leonard Taylor and, you know, you got Derek Ritter back there throwing that football, dual threat quarterback. Like, he can make plays with his legs in the open field. He's one of the most mobile quarterbacks in college football, and he's going to go on to the NFL level. So Luke Fick was going to have to bring in a young quarterback to trust in this Bearcats system. But I think the Bearcats have one of the most promising programs moving forward in college football. And defensively, I love their defense. Like, I think Ahmad Gardner, he's one of the best defensive backs in the college football. I like Kobe Bryant as well. I think he's a dynamic defensive back. So between Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Gardner, those are two cornerbacks that it's hard to throw against. Like it's hard for opposing teams to throw the ball against this Bearcats defense. And that's because of Kobe Bryant and Amaya Gardner. But then you look at them at the linebacker position, Joel DeBlanco, he had the interception in the second half 
for the Bearcats in the AAC title game. So I like this Bearcats team. I'm going to talk about the Bearcats and their matchup against the Crimson Tide in future shows to come before the game on New Year's Eve. But I think the nation is sleeping on this Bearcats team. And I think everyone's going to be shocked when they look up in the fourth quarter and we got a competitive football game between the Bearcats and the Crimson Tide. I can't wait for that matchup. But I'm going to get my predictions for that show on future seasons, to come, future shows to come. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Before I get out of here, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills for a minute. And I want to talk about specifically the Buffalo Bills and how they, they honored Terrell Owens last night. Okay. They said he's a legend of the game. And I'm going to be honest about this. I think this is one of the most stupidest things an NFL team has ever done. And let me explain why. Terrell Owens, he played eight seasons for the 49ers. He played three years with the Cowboys. He played two years with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then y'all remember he played, I believe, one year with the Cincinnati Bengals. He played one year for the Buffalo Bills. That year, and let me be very clear before I, before I talk about Terrell Owens and his statistical numbers with the Bills, this is no knock against Terrell Owens. I think Terrell Owens is one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. I think Terrell Owens is a top three receiver in NFL history. I'll even say that. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens. I'm good with Terrell Owens being a top three receiver of all time. I'm good with that. I think you can make an argument for Terrell Owens even being better than Randy Moss. I mean, that's another debate for another day. But I'm, this is no knock against Terrell Owens. I love T.O. And I also thought in his career, I thought that T.O., the perception of him was a bad perception and it wasn't always fair because I always felt like T.O. wanted to win football games and he wanted to be a key component to his team winning football games. And sometimes I think the perception of T.O. was that he was selfish and I don't agree with that because I think T.O. wanted to win football games and he wanted to win a Super Bowl. You remember the year with the Philadelphia Eagles? Sir Owens in a regular season, he had tore his ankle up and was supposed to be done for the season. He returned back to the lineup in the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles and had over 100 yards receiving in the Super Bowl. So don't tell me Terrell Owens didn't care about winning because he proved that the year when the Eagles got to the Super Bowl, when he came back from an ankle injury, when he was supposed to be done for the season and he performed very well in the Super Bowl. So don't tell me Terrell Owens don't care about winning. Let me get back to the Buffalo Bills. In the one season that Terrell Owens played for the Buffalo Bills, he had 55 receptions for 829 receiving yards, five touchdowns and one rushing touchdown in 2009. That year, the Buffalo Bills went 6-10. and 10. They missed the playoffs. Why in the hell are the Buffalo Bills honoring Terrell Owens as a legend of the game? 
if anything, the San Francisco 49ers should have honoring Terrell Owens as a legend of the game. He played there eight years. He had some great playoff moments. You remember in the playoffs against Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers, Terrell Owens caught the game-winning touchdown pass from Steve Young. So he didn't win a Super Bowl with the 49ers, but he had a great career with the 49ers and had some great playoff moments. And then in Philadelphia, he didn't, you know, win a Super Bowl. But again, he had a great performance when the Eagles went up against the Patriots and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He didn't win a playoff game with the Cowboys, but I just thought it was kind of crazy how the Buffalo Bills honored Terrell Owens. He was there for one season, one season. This was one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen a football team make. And it just shows you how awful the Bills have been in the past. They have been awful. I know they got a tradition. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. But for them to honor Terrell Owens for only playing there one year, I thought it was crazy. I just thought it was crazy. And I think Terrell Owens is, again, one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. He's a dynamic playmaker in the open field. And I think that he shouldn't have had to wait to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I thought that was ridiculous because he should have got in the first year he was eligible to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think it was, it was a travesty that Terrell Owens had to wait to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. Let's talk about Terrell Owens' statistical numbers real quick, shall we? Before we get out of here, because he was that dominant. Terrell Owens for his career. He had 1,078 receptions. He had 15,934 receiving yards. 153 touchdowns. He was one of the greatest receivers in NFL history. and. Honestly, I'd probably take him over Randy Moss. But, again, that's another debate for another day. Everybody, remember, go out and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be back on Thursday. I'm going to bring my man Christian Bradley on. He's a diehard 49ers fan. And you know the 49ers, they are coming to town this Sunday to take on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I'm going to bring on my man, Kristen Bradley, and we're going to talk about how he feels about the 49ers so far this season and if he expects his 49ers to beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm Trey Larkin signing off of the Worldwide Sports Network. Enjoy your night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.